out. So I recorded. Oh, we're recording. There you go. Oh, there you go. All right. I see. I'm about it. to explain to you why I'm afraid to um, record to the cloud, and it doesn't matter because we're recording to my computer. It says recording on your screen or mine. Howdy. Howdy. So, Marty Yee, I met you last Saturday at a jam session, and it was so much fun. I, I mean this. This is not false humility. I felt like I. I felt like I was in Wayne's world, like uh, we're not worthy kind of thing. But I got, <laughs> I got there, and I was the last one there. It was a socially distanced outdoor jam. It was about 135 degrees outside. Yeah, we were definitely distanced. Very distant. And I pull up, and I think, oh, I guess they're just playing some music, piping some music through a PA system. You know, like it sounded just like, you know, like an album or the radio, not the radio anymore. And then as I get out of my car, I'm like, fuck, I'm not worthy. <laughs> you guys, I, don't, I don't remember what you guys were playing, but it sounded really good. You had that young guy in guitar. He was like 25 and that kid yes, on keyboard. That's right. Yeah. Those, those kids were good. That's they were really good. And um, we had, I think, in total five guitar players eventually once yeah. I started trying. At any point in time, we have five guitar players at once, which is really yeah. hard to do. Yeah. And you were doing percussion. In the yes. beginning, like, yes. regular, like non drum set percussion. I mean, right. a mini kind of set. Yes. And, and what really, what I thought, there were a couple of things that I thought were cool, and I'm like, I can't wait to learn a little more about you and your professional history. So I'm a non professional musician. I'm like just like a garage band, college hacker kind of guy, and I love it. So I'm watching you doing this thing with some percussive whatever. And there was, some, what was that thing? Oh, the shaker? Okay, the shaker. <laughs> Yeah. And um, there was, you looked professional the way you were doing it. I thought this guy's probably like, <laughs> it, seriously, it sounded good. But here's the moment that got me. So everyone starts playing Bad by You Too, which is my favorite song in the world. Oh, yeah. It's a great Literally. song. There's two, so there's two basic chords you play around in it. I remembered one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> so. So I just sort of put my volume low and I'm kind of playing around and just sort of playing it, but not well. And, and with four other guitar players, it was easy enough to not screw up the song. But what I thought was really, really cool, and I mean this with all sincerity, you, I remember you switched over from your little percussion station because at that point, no, there were two drum kits and no one was playing drums yet. You moved over onto the drums and the way you filled the sound space was really special. I mean, it was really special. Thanks. Well, and, and, and I, I thought this guy's special on the drums, like, and, and be, for me, because I was just sort of very quietly doing sort of. I thought I had the chords right. I was mixed so low that I could barely hear myself. So instead, I allowed myself to just get enveloped by the music. I mean, you've got all those guitar players, and the, the kid had a, the perfect echo. He was doing a nice version of Edge. And your drums, whatever you did, it was so musical. You weren't just keeping a regular beat. But you were, I think, very focused on the tonality of the kit you were on. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I was actually inspired by his guitar part. Because really? So it was so uh, mystifying. Yeah. He, he really pulled it off. He did. He did. It was really good. I just... I just I just went with him. Basically. Oh, really? That's interesting. Oh, it was. Yeah. Because you were 
I mean, I could sort of hear it in my head, but you were working all the drums and, and I could tell that you were so much more than keeping the beat or even, you know, dare I say, you know, like advancing the rhythm. It was much, it was much more three-dimensional than that. And I, I took note of it. Oh, thanks. Very cool. that was, that's very observant of you. That makes you the better musician also, David. I have to uh, it was, I, I really enjoyed it. Like, you know, and I remember I didn't have a guitar strap with me. So I'm just sitting <laughs> on my amp, you know. And so it really allowed me to sort of be, even though I was participating in the song, I was really a fly on the wall. And um, just I, I, I enjoyed it almost as much as a spectator, as a participant. That song was very cool. That moment was definitely a highlight for yeah, me. Yeah, wasn't it? It was. It was. Oh, it was cool. just something that was a spur of the moment. And some, sometimes those, those are the moments that are, are most, most worthwhile. Yeah. And, and the other one we did that was fun, we were, because I play so few things, I was just doing some kind of progression in nights. We did the kind of a funky thing. There were a few times the groove kind of got, you know, I thought nice, and I was leaning on the better guitar players to do their part, but it was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some, there's some magical moments, and then the alcohol sometimes kicks in, and either it yeah. gets better or it doesn't. Right, that's right. You think you sound better, but you don't. <laughs> it's like the great idea that you write down and you wake up the next morning like, that wasn't very good. That's right, yeah. that's right. That's yeah. yeah. Uh, Paul Simon had always... Uh, do rehearsals and he would break down a song right piece by piece and we would work on that one song okay just for that one day and it'd be like that'd be the rehearsal and then we'd come in the next day and he'd do something totally different wait, wait so now that is an amazing segue what's so cool about this interview and one of the reasons why i was looking forward to it so much i don't know shit about you <laughs> like i don't know anything so now, you just referenced Paul Simon. So that could be you're in a cover band learning a Paul Simon song, or it could mean that you are with Paul Simon learning a Paul Simon song. Either one, either one is interesting to me. Actually, I, I, I've never played with Paul Simon, but I've, I've been on in and out of his crew for like over 20 years. Oh, really? Yeah. So now, I've, so I've done every, I've done every position, uh, including taking care of Paul for a second. Oh, really? So, so here's what, so th this is a great segue because, you know, I, I have a little cut and paste of your, your resume as you would find it either on Facebook and a little bit on LinkedIn and things like that. And I know that you are a musician. I know that firsthand and just, you know, from looking at you on your page, that is. But I also know you're a tech. And I said to you before we started today, I don't want to learn exactly what that is yet because I'd rather learn it on our show. Um, so let's, let's use the, the Paul Simon situation as, a, as an example. So for 20 years, what have you done with Paul? What, what does it mean? Well, uh, technicians or some guys like to call it consultants. Okay. Right. <laughs> what, the, what the common phrase is pretty much a roadie. Okay. Uh, you know, so you, you either take care of guitars, pianos, keyboards, whatever you're assigned to or whatever your specialty is. Uh, whatever your skill set is, uh, you you handle. So um, I've been pretty versed in a lot of different departments. So I, I gives me a chance to work a lot. And in Paul's camp, it it intermingles with uh, uh, all the different departments. 
So he, uh, for example, uh, when I first started on Paul, I was a the percussion tech. Okay. I would take care of, I had three stations I had to take care of, set up three percussion setups, and uh, that was it. So would you have uh, to tune the kits and everything, like, or would the drummers themselves want to do that? Uh, it varied. Some guys would let me do it, some guys wouldn't. Okay. Back, then, back in early uh, stages, I wasn't that uh, well-versed in the uh, percussion world, so right. I did that much tuning to do. Usually tuning congas and bongos or timbales, uh, but like, you know, you're not tuning any shakers or anything like that. It's mostly just p placement and making sure everything works. And then, do you, days, would you mic them or is that somebody else? That's somebody else. Okay. But, uh, I've, I've grown into that position also. Okay. Sometimes uh, you need to uh, help out. So right, right. I remember Eddie Testel said uh, it's about uh, being able to work with other people. And that, right. That, yeah. I, I live, I live for that. Yeah, right. isn't it's it true? It is. It's sometimes not not the best uh, players that make it in, but it's the guy right. that you want to uh, hang out with. Afterwards. It's true. And, and you know, we, we talked about it on that show that it translates into everything in life. It does. You know, it the does. people you who, who emote positivity are the people we all gravitate toward. We don't gravitate toward toxic people, even if they're talented. Right, right, right. For example, uh, a prime example is, I know, and I can't mention any names, but a, an artist did all auditions for drummers. Okay. And it came down to it, one guy who was a top-ranked session player nailed it, completely nailed it, and was perfect for the gig. Uh, the artist opted out for someone else of a little bit lower caliber, but still just as good because you realize that you'd rather spend time with that person yeah. on the bus. Well, you know, it's funny. I always like to draw parallels uh, with my legal career, which is what I do in the day. And there are some lawyers who get a lot done by being, and a lot accomplished for their clients by being nice and affable and, and friendly. And I think, all right, that's a life you build for yourself where you wake up in the morning you look forward to your day. You have a really good day. You make the people around you happy. You make yourself happy. And there's all this good stuff. And then I know a lot of lawyers whose entire career is built upon being a raging asshole. And, and I'm not kidding. And they're good. You know, they, they accomplish a lot. I don't think they accomplish anything more than the non-assholes. Right. 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 Um, but, but one could build a career based on being an asshole um, but then you think about it, then you look back on the last decade of your life. You think, what did I do it for? Right. If, if I do this all day long and I'm, I'm just spewing toxicity and then I'm spreading it like cancer, you know, yes, I put a few bucks in my pocket. I might have some technical accomplishments, but what have I really accomplished? Right. You know? Right. Well, it does, it, that, that's so true. And uh, one particular woman that I, worked for I've worked over for over I want to say 30 years wow I can't I can't say her name obviously Ruth uh, Buzzy huh is it Ruth Buzzy <laughs> sorry it's my favorite non sequitur <laughs> that's, that's hilarious I, I didn't think she had that type of re reputation she does she does it's horrible oh my God. well I'm, I'm kidding 
Ruth. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. She's dead, right? I don't know. I don't know. Oh. Let's see over under. The woman for 30 years. Woman over 30 years. And uh, we get along. For the first couple of years, I would get fired every year. Oh, really? Every year. I've, I've literally been hired and rehired, fired and rehired nine times from this artist. Wow. And uh, uh, I'm still working for her. But, you know, because she's nuts. Right. Off, off the stage, we have, we have, like, incredible conversations. It's great. We're nice to each other. But, like, once she's on the stage, the bitch switches on and just stays wow. on. They pull out the toggle switch. And I, I keep going back because she's uh, an amazing artist. Right. She gives it 110%. And the audience loves her, you know, and it's... It's 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 an amazing show when she's on. Is she? You think it's that she's nervous that if she doesn't deliver a product that good, that she'll somehow lose her station and then she takes it out on all the people around her? Is it something like that? It's 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 somewhat like that and, and kind of like an insecurity, you know. Right. And I don't even think sometimes it's uh like how Eddie Testa referenced that like you need to check your ego at the door. Yeah. Yeah. She kind of like hides it in her, her pocket bag and pulls it out whenever she needs to. Right. And it's not even a thing whereas uh, uh, it's about ego. It's for her, it's about like being heard and making sure that she's getting her point across because she's so insecure. Right. She's insecurities about herself. She'll, she'll dress up like sporadically and sometimes you, you, like, you see her come out and be like, what were you thinking of? Right. Really? So, you know, it's, it's kind of like that. So she's looking not just for the sort of the musical success, but she wants to, to look a certain way. And then sometimes she goes out on a limb and there's an epic fail. And then that feeds right. her insecurity. Right. That feeds her yeah. insecurity. But, you know, she her voice is so powerful. And so uh, she doesn't look at the response of her performance. She looks at, oh, my God, what, what did I do wrong? Oh, that's a and shame. It is because she's she's truly an amazing artist. And then that's the sad thing is that the people who watch her are probably getting more enjoyment out of her than she is. Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And she, you know, she treats the people around her like crap, and it's just you know, it's right. you want to say it's karma, but you know, she's had a long, she's had like over over forty years of uh, of uh, you know a career. You know, wow. So say, you know, you just never know. But and then the sad thing is, you know, like she's, it's like what I just said. So she could look back on the last 40 years. Has she had any, has she had joy right. from her career? Right. She might have given out, not to the people in her orbit. She might not have given joy. Her audience gets the joy. Right. But she's not even getting it herself. That's a right. shame. Yeah, it is. She's not, she, she's always looking forward to uh, moving forward and doing work and stuff like that, and she she has a son. Okay. She, she's barely raised, uh, and uh, she she loves. You can tell she loves because she talks about him all the time. But she you know that she doesn't spend any time with him. Well, that's a real shame. And it's so many levels. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And and it's a thing. Whereas like other artists that I've worked for, 
you've talked about past experiences and past tours. And with her, we're either talking about family or we're talking about uh, uh, upcoming shows. Okay. There's no, there's no real like conversation about like, remember that time in, in uh, Moscow where we played in front of that audience and it rained down or any of that? No reference to that. So, she, so when she looks back on her life, she doesn't have fond memories for her entire career. Like in other words, her, the, the, the centerpiece of what she does has not filled her life with positive memories, I guess. Or at least not that she wants to chat about. Right, exactly. And that's what I think too. And I think she, her focus is so much in the future that uh, she, she, she can't, you know. She's had a Broadway show. She's working wow. on another Broadway show. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big thing for her. Just Dude, to, it's clear to me we're talking about Ruth Buzzy right now. <laughs> I mean, she's been on Broadway. She, she sings. Sorry if I hurt you with that. Now that she's. Oh, no, it's all good. No good. No, no, no. The mere fact that I, I, I doubted you. Who Ruth, Ruth Buzzy is? It's, it's yeah. great. <laughs> so, so in 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 your career doing this, um, have you traveled the world? Oh yeah, I would have to say. I'd say the only place I haven't uh, gone to, and I had. <laughs> It's it's a little ironic that I've never been to China. Oh really? The only country you haven't been because there's not much tours going through China. Right, right. It's like Japan, you know, over, all over the east, eastern, uh, East Asia, and all that, India, all over the world. That's, wow, I've been very, very lucky. That's really cool. And then, so I would think. Well, what you're talking about in terms of your relationship with the artists is that there's probably, you know, you, you, they're on for a couple hours, maybe three, but probably more like two. And then there's a ton of downtime, right? Whether you're on a tour bus, an airplane, in a hotel lobby, having drinks. Is that where you develop your relationships with them? Uh, it depends. It depends. There's, there's a lot less downtime than you think. It depends oh, really? on the tour. It depends on the tour. Um, uh, there are some tours where you can have like a uh, couple of days off, or you can have in a row, or you can have like every other day off. Uh, back in that day, I remember doing a, a tour with Megadeth, and we did twenty-seven days straight. Wow! And then out of the out of the seven-day work week, three of those days were doubles: radio show in the morning and a regular rock show at night. Oh, so in other words, they're promoting in the morning on the yeah. radio, and then they're doing the show at night. Or like, or like a, a radio uh, festival. Oh, oh, okay, okay. So like that, it could be any of that. It could be any combination of that. So, so who would throw out some names at us? Let's let's hear some of the names of some of the more well-known acts you've toured with. Oh uh, wow, okay, uh, uh, Rush. Pink oh really? Floyd. Wait, wait, I hear, I didn't hear the second one. Pink Floyd, uh, wow. uh, uh, Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, uh, Tim and Faith, uh, Sting, Seal, Steely Dan. Uh, oh my God, it's all drawing a blank now. Sean Colvin, Mary Chapin Carpenter, J Lo, Public Enemy. Uh, <laughs> and you mentioned Paul Simon. Oh, Paul Simon definitely is one of the one of the 
earlier towards squeeze. Uh, By the way, could they possibly have a, I love squeeze. Could they be potentially more boring in concert? Oh no, it's, it's a great squeeze. Is it really? I saw them in the eighties and they just, they were amazing, but they didn't do anything. Are they different now? No, squeeze is a musician's rock band. Okay, all right. Kind of like Steely Dan, because I've seen that. Oh, absolutely, yes. That's they don't right. do anything. They just play amazingly, yep. but that's it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is. Actually, you know, and we were, that was one of the tours that got canceled this year for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Right, your life is so different now. So oh, you've yeah. got, and I'm, we probably, so that's one, probably about eight or nine bands you mentioned just off the top of your head, and that's probably a partial list, right? Yeah, it is. I, I'm the king of subs. <laughs> now, what does that mean? I, I, I go in when guys want to take a break. Sometimes okay. it's a long tour, and uh, I go in and fill in. Okay. I have to say, like, very few, like, on Pink Floyd, I was a sub. On Rush, I was a sub. Uh, Pantera. Uh, Tool. Uh, Jewel or Tool? Tool. I don't know that. And Jewel. And oh. Jewel also. Um, a lot of a lot of different guys. Suzanne Vega. Wow. Uh, a lot of a lot of different. So bands. are most are most texts like you musicians? Uh, there are and there aren't. Okay. You know, and some jobs require that you play. Like I know on Van Halen, the drummer, the drum tech is 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 supposed to play. Oh, really? Yeah, because sometimes uh, Alex wants to warm up. He gets there late, and he has to. So somebody else has to do the sound check. Oh, that's interesting. All right. Have you ever done that? No. Oh, sound check? Yes, I have. Like sound check where you're behind a drum. Well, you. you so what do you play? You play drums. We know that. What else do you play? Uh, uh, I play percussion, drums, bass, uh, a little bit of keys, a little bit of guitar, uh, just enough to do sound check. Okay, so there will be times when you'll get behind a drum kit or guitar or bass keyboard and, and hammer out some music or, or notes or beats or what have you to, to yeah. make sure. It's... Yeah, I just ask what chords we're playing and just just strum along. There's nothing, just to get a sound. Right, it, right. You know. Now, is that nerve-wracking at all? At first it was. I, I know for me, like I've heard comedians do routines on this. You know, like going into Sam Ash and you want to test the guitar and all these really good musicians are looking at you. Like, I would never. Like, I, they were like, you want to plug it into an amp? And I'd say, no. But, but sir, you want to buy an amp. But I don't want to play through an amp in front of all the people in this store. I, 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 I understand that. And, uh, when I first started, I, I, I would have never thought of that, trying to do that. But... Uh, you know, when when you're young and you, you you start off in the industry as a musician, you want to like progress. And right, sometimes, right. sometimes there is a problem with guys who want to be musicians more than they wanted to be techs. All right, so then they're trying to showboat a little. Trying to showboat a little bit, yeah. I mean, there's that, a time that, and place for everything. I would think that probably goes across really transparent and badly. Oh yeah, some guys, you know. It depends. You know, certain artists are like, you know what? I don't want to see that guy anymore. Yeah. I mean, if I was in that role, I'd say that's, that's not what you're doing. That's not what you're here for. Right. You know, it's very self-indulgent. When, when the, 
you know, if, if I've gotten nothing else from the 20 or so shows we've done so far, and I think Guitar Tells has done about 20 so far, is that it, it's, if it's about you, you will not succeed. Right. If it's about making the audience happy, you will. The audience and the people around you happy. Right, right. So I would imagine if you've got a tech who's trying to show much better musicians that he or she is pretty damn good, it's not going to be received very well. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I feel like sometimes I'm a little hard on those guys, but uh, I feel like it, it's a, it has to be a give and take thing. And it's, it's a working environment. It needs to be almost like a family. Right. Yeah. I treat it like the Marines. It's about the guy standing next to you. Right. Because when you're out there, it's, it's not even about the country at that point. It's about the guy standing next to you. Right, right. So, I mean, I I think that's carried me throughout this whole thing. Uh, yeah, we had um, Mike McGeggy on recently, and he was saying his job is to make the people around him look good. Oh, yeah. Like, that's, that's his job. Yeah, that even applies even more to me. Right, 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 where you're not, you're not playing with the band, um, but at the same time, you're, that's exclusively your job. But even... For the musicians vis-a-vis -vis each other, and you are a musician, but the, the performing musicians, uh, you know, the best of the best are saying, I'm here to support the people I'm playing with. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. So let, let's go back in time a little bit. So um, were you a musician before you became a tech? Oh, yeah. So that was, so that was your main game. So, so let's, start, let's start in high school. Or when did you start drums? Let me ask it that way. Actually, when I was 10. Really? Yeah. So, so let, let me ask you, if you can, put humility aside for a second. I got, I got the sense uh, from our little jam session that you're a very good drummer. Are you like a studio musician level of, of drummer? Do you think if you were to put humility aside? I, I would have to say I'm close, but I'm not there at, okay. this, at this point in the game. At one point, I have to say in the 90s, there was okay. so much work about around that uh, we were all there's guys that weren't even like studio musicians that were playing in studios and stuff like that. So, so have you I, done that? Oh yeah, back in the nineties, it was it was fruitful. Commercials, uh, studio album recordings. Occasionally, there's there's some studios in Pennsylvania now that uh, I was doing some recordings in, and I occasionally get once in a blue moon call to do uh, uh, recordings. And I've set up my studio now so I can do tracks from home and people can right, right. Track and I do that. I haven't gone up to that point yet, but um, I'm working at it. So um, so what, have you been on albums we might have, most people might have heard of? Oh, no, probably not. Okay. <laughs> probably right. not. It's just like a lot of local artists that are like seeing and, and play guitar and play keyboards and stuff like that. Well, that's great. The fact that you, so you, so in the nineties, you're getting called in if you get like a fresh band and, or let's say like a songwriter who needs a drummer for their session band, something like that. You get called in and you would get uh, commercial work on commercials, right? Yeah. Because people forget. I mean, everything we get on social media has music. Right. Whether it's the old days where it was television or movies to now just, you know, YouTube or what have you. Right. There's always some kind of music playing around. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
people forget that like it's it's all around you yeah you know even when people are watching movies i i i I remember watching some of the movies that i've played on and i'm just like wow i'm just like (laughs) i remember that session wait what movies have you played on um there was a uh oh my god there was one of robert de niro film ed norton uh i have to oh i I know that movie wait the score yeah score there's literally there's literally uh eight percussionists on that on that session and it was right. it was a magical moment it was like a, a week and a half of recording a lot, oh, of, wow. a lot of tracks it was it was it was in a big big like theater like in manhattan that all of us and i was i was all i was doing is playing these frames <laughs> what is now what is by a frame what do you mean like literally like like a like, triangle no like these like uh you know like you know shelving units okay like, you, you you would you would uh nail into the wall right actually playing these rails just, oh wow yeah just playing like a triplet feel on those while uh it was it was nuts it oh was, that's pretty cool that's oh, actually yeah. really cool yeah it was it it really opened my mind to like how percussion can be it could be on anything, right? Anything, anything. It could be just so like- do you know, there, there, I went to a school in Washington, and uh, we talked on our last, our second to last show about Washington go-go music. Are you familiar with it? Oh yeah, the go-go beats. Oh yeah, infamous. Right. Go-go. So do you remember the uh, junkyard band? Did, did you ever oh, see yeah. them? Oh yeah. Oh so yeah. I've seen them live on street corner. Like I saw them on street corners before they were famous. And they would play like garbage pails and paint cans and That's things right. like that. That's right. They were so so you're music. Yeah, so okay. this is our second time talking about go-go music. It sort of came parallel to hip hop. And then hip hop Oh absolutely. Yes. And then Go Go didn't. And a big old butt is sort of a go-go-ish song, but not really. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, you could totally see it. You right, totally right. Reference to that. Well, we talked Chuck Brown. Chuck Brown, that's right. He was huge. And uh, my favorite, um, Let's Get Small. Who did Let's Get Small? Um, I can't remember. I, no, I can't that. either. But, but uh, what I loved, and this is so great for not just a drummer, but a percussionist like you, we would be at some outdoor event. And when they start playing, I don't dance, nor can I. And it's a, it's a bad thing to see if I try. Uh, but when they start playing, when Go-Go kicks in, you can't help it. Oh, yeah. Like, unlike any music I'm familiar with, at least for me, when when all those percussion instruments kick in, there, there is something about that beat in Go-Go music. Oh, it's, 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 the, uh, it's the upbeat on the uh, second second kick drum that just kicks it over. It's, and they all start the same, like, and then, boom, I can't do it, but yeah. It's so moving. It just pushes you forward, and it just makes the music just make you makes you jump. Right. Done right, it's a great... And I guess the reason why it didn't stay any longer is that it then becomes repetitive, and I guess it doesn't it doesn't go maybe as far as people want it to, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not expressing it well, but it's one thing. 
And right. maybe that's why it didn't fully take off. I don't think it was able to get like three dimensionality about it. Well, I mean, I don't these, know. these days it's, it's about EDM music and all that kind of stuff anyway, which is pretty mindless and it's just repetitive. Yeah. The whole thing. You could say the same thing about that, but it was just the backing of it. Go-Go uh, -Go music was such a, I hate to use the word for, you know, lack of a word, but it was so ghetto that yeah. didn't have that. And uh, It was very real. I mean, like I saw it first time. It was, it was so raw. Yes. Was, and that was, that's what the best part of that was. It was so um, natural and, and, and lively that I think it, it took too much for people to think about. Yeah, maybe that's it. You know, we'd be drunk 2 a.m. walking around and you suddenly around the corner, you'd see a bunch of kids, young adults and old adults, maybe 10, 15 people just banging on whatever they had in front of them with rhythms that were beyond that standard. Right. In that, in that sense, it's really about, about the music. It's kind of like all the uh, guys down in New Orleans. Right. Who play, you know, that New Orleans uh, street beats and, and oh my god, and it's 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 exactly like that because I will be there in 17 days. Oh, nice! Yeah, it's it's magical. Musically, it it's a magical place. It's yeah, I, I saw at Tipitina's. Um, I saw Aaron Neville. Oh, nice! And okay. and I was you know, again. I was there was a little bit of alcohol on me, and I literally <laughs> just had. Tears coming out of my eyes when, when he hits those notes in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. It's the authenticity and the realness. And then hearing that that music where it belongs. It's like seeing Bruce in New Jersey. Oh yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. I have to say, like, I, I did a short run with the meters. And okay. that was that was some of the most magical moments, the music So I mean it's original meters, you know, with uh, George Porter, um, you know, Zigaboo, and, you know, Aaron, uh, Art, all those guys. It's, it was such a, you realize the history behind that, all that music yes. comes from, and where all these guys are trying, trying to cop all those licks and everything. You, you see it. Yeah. You just feel kind of fortunate about it. No, it, it, it I feel blessed. No, it, it's funny, yeah. And, and it's funny, I'll, I'll throw you a little compliment. Uh, when we were doing bad, and I'm, I'm just sitting on my amp, and again, I'm being almost more of an observer than a participant. I was thinking, I'm feeling very blessed right now that I'm getting enveloped by this wall of music that I have a little bit of involvement in. Because that, that moment was really, you know, there's a tape of it somewhere. I think someone was recording. Uh, but it was... You know, I, I'm appreciative of the fact that you felt what I felt at that, um, because, it, and that's that's the beauty of music is sometimes you can feel this, this sort of wall of, of, of something envelop you, and it right. takes you, it takes you to a different place. Yeah, yeah, and it's almost like the the drums are playing me. I don't necessarily have to play the drums. It just right. flows correctly. If it flows great, that's 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 your moment. And that's interesting. What I did not at all perceive is that, but it makes sense now. You're sitting there doing your regular percussion that you've been doing the last 30, 40 minutes that we've been playing. And then something, you heard something from that guitar player. Um, and then you just shuffled on over 10 feet or whatever it was to the drum kit. And I guess that is, you got inspired by hearing what he was doing. 
Oh yeah. It informed what you did, but it, it really it, it came out really nice. No, oh, yeah, it did. I have to say that was that was the best moment of that that jam. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. Um, so so from a musical point of view, so what are you, what do you do to occupy your time these days in, in the middle of COVID? I know you guys jam every week, right? You guys go to the, we're at a farm, right? It's, are you part of that weekly jam? I I I can be. Unfortunately, I have, fortunately, I've, after COVID and stuff like that, I, I, I've been not, I've been le less busy with work, but catching up on a lot of housework. And actually, I've, I've taken this time to kind of like reanalyze my playing and go back to like sourcing myself and finding uh, the organic part of myself to play and make sure that I still have those chops, I still have the feel, I still have ideas that I can lay down. So I go to GarageBand, I lay down some tracks, and I just go over it with some bass lines. So I try and reinvent myself, and I try and get a feeling again of it. So I, I don't lose that aspect of it, because it, it's, a, it's part of what I do. So that's really cool. So we had... Uh... Alex Scooby on our show, one of our earliest Zoom shows. So when, when COVID first hit, uh, he's an actor, but we sort of the, the technical link is he was in a guitar band in New Jersey before he became a very successful actor on CSI and things like that, like really successful. Um, but he said the same exact thing about acting that you just said about musicianship on our show, which is that COVID sucks COVID is horrible and, and most horrifically people are dying. So I, you know, so we, we, we all have different experiences with regard to it and, and people are socially struggling. Uh, but a lot of people in, in the midst of just something that's historically unprecedented, at least in our lives, and maybe ever, not ever, because it's happened before, but in our lives, is that they're trying to use this as an opportunity to find meaning, they're trying to use this as an opportunity to artistically grow, and, and you sounded just like Alex. <laughs> you know that, that that he's using this. You know, and they're doing a lot of creative acting things, and just writing and, and things like that. But uh, when people are, are stuck in their homes, I mean, I barely exit my home. I, I, you know, like, literally, like I went, I saw right. you guys. I, I I barely know how to wear a mask because I'm almost never out of my house. Right on. And I, I get my groceries in my trunk and things like that. I very rarely leave. Um, but in any event, so people are using this artistically as an opportunity to emerge from this better. Which I think it's really cool. So I'm, I'm thrilled you're doing it. I'm not thrilled this is happening, but it's, it's the way to make the best of something, right? It is. is you, have, you have to take your time and uh, apply it and use it wisely uh, and grow as a musician. Because these, if you're not doing anything else, it's the only thing you can do uh, it, it comes from uh, doing what you love if you if you truly honestly love what you do it's not work it, it right. you only move forward and right. uh, movement is life so if you move forward you know you're only growing so that's how I always feel it's very true it's very true I, you know again when I started as a lawyer uh, I was speaking with elder statesman who's a lawyer, my old boss's 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 boss kind of thing. And he equated us with being like sharks. If you stop swimming, you can't breathe. And, <laughs> right. Uh, 
And I was very offended by that line because I thought, what about the people who just sort of are sort of quiet in their own little corner um, and they just do what they do and they do it until they retire. Then they have their retirement and they live until they don't live anymore. And as I look back now, he was right. And my perception was as wrong as wrong could be. If you, if you keep moving, you keep growing, you keep breathing and developing things like that. So he, he was very much right. And uh, I was a young kid who just thought he was a stupid old, I was a stupid old man, but I thought it was a little brash of him to say. He was, he was, he was right. I'm sure it was the way he was saying it too. Yeah, maybe that maybe that criticism was accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's about the delivery. You know what? Yeah. I, I'm I'm going to agree with you on that. Uh, I had a visceral reaction to the way he said it because the context was uh, sort of I'm better than the person I'm currently comparing myself to, who's important to you, Dave. You oh, I know. That was I was referring to an earlier mentor of mine. So right. That's that's why I had the visceral reaction. Right, 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 right. Sometimes a self-aggrandizing statement. Right, right. That's you know, uh, some guys I know that I I've worked under just think they know it all, and they just think it's like, oh, I've done this, I've done that, I've done the whole thing. Uh, I I always go into a new job completely knowing nothing, and I say to myself, I don't know anything about this gig even on a tour i say if i go back out on steely dan right i, I say to myself like i have, i have no idea how this is going to play out because in truth the artist like donald won't know what he's going to do until he shows up to rehearsal right oh so, i mean it might be it might be the same old songs as we always do but if we're going to do it differently, something might be different. So, I, you know, you have to kind of keep an open mind. Yeah. That's yeah. True. And, and I like the fact that you're approaching it with both an open mind and humility. You know, and then as you get deeper in, certainly your confidence in being good at what you do in your life But if you start from that position of an open mind and an open heart and humility, you will then have an opportunity to grow in that new gig. Right, right. And right. if you didn't, you wouldn't. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, an artist told me once, you're only as good as the guy, the next guy that comes along. Right, yeah. So Right, because there's always people nipping at your heels. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. There's always, if you're on top, there's just one more reason for someone to try to knock you off. Yeah. You yeah. Know? That's, that's why I like working with people who just want to work together and just get through the day yeah and, and again it makes your day-to-day -day experience if you're going on a i don't know 32-day tour how much nicer is it if you all enjoy each other right right then if you if you hate each other but do a great job <laughs> you know which can happen i suppose could. yes it could you know good i have to say this one this tour i did two years ago was do you know rye cooter He's a singer-songwriter, very, very eclectic, very American folky singer-songwriter. Yeah, he's, he's, he, sounds he, familiar, yeah. He's a, he's a guitar, supposedly God. And I have to say... Wait, he, wait, so let me cut you off. So based upon the fact that I host a show called Guitar Tales and I'm not familiar with him, <laughs> but, but I will 
confess to it. I will confess to it. No, I'm not familiar. The name sounds familiar. That's the most I will admit to. He's more. So I just more. lost all my credibility with the people <laughs> you know who might watch this, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Rye is not that known as a guitar player, but I mean, he is like the quintessential. If you ask some of the, a lot of the top guys, like Rye was the old, and the, the stuff he owns is pretty, pretty, pretty old. Oh, right, yeah. Antiquated stuff. He uses like four amps at the same time. It's really like, he really makes this wall sound thing. But uh, <laughs> I digress. One of the guys, his tech, I have to say at one point in time, was like the worst guy to be around. Right. Like Mr. Know-it-all. And it was, it was a rough, it was a rough time. But we all, you know, that being said, we all got through it. You know, yeah. but the rest of us pulled together and we we got through it, Just despite his like yeah yeah you know problems or what have you. So it, that, that's it's tough. Hard. It is. So you, you just made me think. So so there's a whole th we could do two hours on on stuff. Like I love to talk about amps. You know, like you probably dealt with like temperamental Leslie cabinets. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, absolutely. yeah, I yeah. can't even imagine what it would be like to try to maintain those. Oh, yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard, especially on the road, because you're not really like you don't have the real resources on site to like if the motor blows. Oh my god! Earthly, yeah, it's like okay, I could I could I could put in the spare, but if that spare goes, I have nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know? So there's there's always moments like that. Uh, uh, I I used to be the B uh, three keyboard tech on uh, the Conan O'Brien show. Oh okay, yeah. And uh, they used to leave their Leslie running every, all night. Oh really? They had a Leslie on his show. Yeah, under the under the under the bleachers. Wow. Back in the day. And I constantly tell them, like, I'll take your money. I'll come in, you, you guys can pay me, but you guys would save a lot of money if you just turned off the Leslie at night. I, I just can't get over the fact that a TV show would be using a Leslie. Oh, yeah. Oh, it yeah. just seems like, I would just think they would have some kind of sample this or that, you know, and just have like a generic kind of like solid, steady kind of whatever. I'm sure some, some of the newer bands nowadays do but on like Saturday Night Live, there's there's a full on like Leslie. Well, yeah, like G you know. G E Smith is some he's something else. Remember? Oh yeah, totally. He's definitely. He he seemed. Yeah. Did you ever work with him? Oh yeah, I was. He the, seemed like a was, mountain of ego. Oh, was he? Uh, this is me from afar, like just through a TV perceiving. I can see. That. I can see where you're saying that. But I just think he's so wrapped up in his own thing. Okay. I don't necessarily think it's an ego thing. I just think he's just so like in his moment. Yeah. I saw a clip of him with Eddie Van Halen, and <laughs> I, I didn't sense enough sort of visual deference from him <laughs> to Eddie. You know, thinking, you know, and he's amazing. G.E. Smith is unbelievable i used to yeah. love watching him you know on guitar on that show but when he's jamming with eddie he's looking at eddie like oh, we're two peers and i think I'm, they probably were peers like you know eddie does a lot of really cool stuff but right you know, ge smith is every bit as good just not as famous right 
but um, and maybe better in many regards. But there, there was something about the fact that not only was he not visually seemingly intimidated by the guy, they were just equally sharing the stage. And I thought, really? But he is that guy, <laughs> you know? But that was just my perception. Yeah, I, I was a uh, drum tech on Saturday Night Live uh, for a couple of years during, during the GE years. Yeah, he, but he was, he was, I mean, he's still around, right? Uh, actually, he's playing uh, bass on uh, Roger Waters. Oh, really? Oh, that new tour that they're doing now. Yeah, he's well. Yeah, well, when he when it was out. Oh, right, right. Now they're not right. He was definitely he was the musical director slash uh, bass player. Oh, okay. On that tour, which is ironic since he's been known for his guitar playing. I know, but yeah, it's a lot of guitar players segue over, and I'm sure that's much to the chagrin of people who take bass extremely seriously. Oh yeah, because it's you know a guitar player getting by on bass is so different than a bass player really playing bass. You know, I mean when I when I I had a, a band when I was in law school, and um, our bass player was a thousand times the guitar player I was, so we had a deal. If, <laughs> if there was ever anything difficult, I would slide over to bass, right. and he would like we played one way out. I couldn't play right lead. I don't I don't even play lead. So I would do the bump, 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 bump. I would do that on bass. Right, right. And he would do the searing lead, you know, because so, but I would do the bullshit version of bass. Right on. Sure, sure, sure. Player. So, so we, this, I, I'm, this has been so much fun. I, I just looked at the clock. I feel like it's been two minutes. <laughs> and um, I, I, I would love someday, I would love to get you back on and talk about equipment. Can we do that sometime? Yeah, no problem. Anytime you want. I would. We could have so much fun on that because I, I, I could yeah. do like a forty-minute Sean Leslie cabinet, you know. <laughs> you know. Or amps, amps, amps. I'm, I'm pretty diverse on amps. That we oh, know. I bet you are. Like, or yeah. one last thing before we go. I've been bastardizing the um, Mesa Boogie amp origin story. Do you know it, Mesa Boogie? How they created it? The whole thing where they like trick someone and put like a big amp into a little Princeton and their Princeton amp. Do you know that story? Oh, I think it was based on the Mark IV, that Mesa Boogie Mark IV amp, that that small little like 12 inch yeah. amp. Yeah, like they tricked someone as like a good gag. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've been oh. bastardizing the story on the show all the time. I know it's something like that where they put like a really big beefy amp into like a little Fender backstage or a little Princeton amp or something or fender champ or something right but, uh, I, I, there was an interesting story one last story uh yeah on one of the mtv music awards uh on aerosmith okay i was working for a backline company and we we lent a small little a deluxe reverb okay like uh, a uh, like I'm a sorry. twin reverb or just a regular no, i'm sorry a um uh, uh a deluxe um uh, Blues Deluxe. It's okay. Blues Deluxe. It's a, uh, uh, it was like a uh, 212. Okay. So the, like sort of like a twin reverbish kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, right? like a twin reverbish thing. Right. And we put it up there behind this um, stack behind Joe Perry's rig. Okay. Wall, literally wall of boxes, cabinets. A whole bunch so of a bunch of like four. Four by 12 box cabinets. Right, literally eight of them, and a whole wow. bunch of box heads, 
a Marshall head, head. And the one with his might was the Deluxe Reverb in the back behind. That was, oh. that was fun. But in Radio City Music Hall, it sounded like it was the entire rig. Oh, that's so funny. So to the perception, the, so the audience gets this perception. He's doing huge, the big right, march, right. The, the classic Marshall stack, right? <laughs> but and in like, reality, it's a little, little yeah, exactly. It was hilarious. Oh, that's really funny. Well, what was what do they say? It was what was the little Princeton, uh, or not the? It was the Fender. Not the twin read. What was the little fe the Fender Champ? Don't they say Fender Champ? They, oh yeah. That they say that was on more studio albums than almost any other amp, right? There's an Avatar. There's a studio in uh, these called Power Station, which is Avatar, which is changed name. They have they have three like Princeton Champs. And that, yeah, those Champs Champ are, amp was like the amp those, for studio those music. Amps were all all the yeah. while for a long time, and they have ended up on so many albums. Yeah. It, it's funny because I did a gig once with Elvis Costello. Oh, I love Elvis. Yes. Yeah. It, it was for the uh, uh, hurricane that happened in New Orleans. Okay. Uh, and he, he ordered a, um, uh, a, a deluxe reverb, a 65 old deluxe reverb. Uh, it was a big festival, so we didn't have one. Right. So, so is a deluxe uh, reverb different than the, the, the twin? Oh yeah, it's totally different. So what's the totally what's the deluxe reverb? Deluxe reverb is more of like a rocking amp. So is it a single twelve or is it a double? It's a, you can get it as a single or a double. Okay. Uh, this one this one that he wanted was a double. Uh, but there was there weren't any around because there was there was like a last minute show. Okay. So I I borrowed this uh this print this champ. And I brought it in and I says, well, this is all I got. He's like, all right, well, let's try it. And he played a Les Paul through it. Oh, really? A gold, gold top through it. Plugged it in. And I says, for the show, I'll get you the, I'll get you the, the deluxe reverb, okay? Right. And he says, okay, no problem. And then he played it. And then after the rehearsal, he says, you know what? We're just going to stick with this sound. And I just love this little amp. Let's just take it with us. Of course, I couldn't tell anybody that I was taking it. Right. It ended up on the show, so that wow. the show, last show at Madison Square Garden, going to this little little Princeton champ. Now, is it is the champ? That's a tube. You probably got a tube. Oh yeah, right? it was a tube yeah. amp. Oh yeah, it was one of the original ones. Oh, um, so this is like a sixty something. Oh yeah, this was like a sixty two. Wow. Oh yeah, the, the 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 tweed was coming off. The side but, was all ripped up. It was it was. It was brutal, but, but I'm sure the speaker was newer, right? You, you can't have the original speaker in that, right? Uh, this was replaced. It was yeah. one of those Les John's speakers, but and but the the original uh, guts of it was still. That's cool, and they're gonna have and the reverb is the spring tank. It's yes, the that's right. That's the thing. So you hit it, you, you got. Blah, 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 blah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You definitely. I wouldn't let anybody walk next to it because they would. You would hear it as you. Oh, it's horrible that noise. Oh yeah. yeah. That's oh, pretty cool. cool. Oh, yeah. oh, we got to we got to come back and do a tech show, a pure tech show. <laughs> well, this is so much fun. I want to thank you for joining us on Guitar Tales. Uh, we've had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, Dave. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Well, listen, everyone, uh, take care. I want you to have a good night. Everyone, be safe, and we will be back very soon with more Guitar Tales shows. Have a good night.
All right, so we uh, let's see, we're still recording. <laughs> this is what I did last time. We had it was like a fake outtake. It was okay. an unintended outtake. Nice. Um, so we're still recording here. I screwed it up again. This is what happens when I run the board. All right, so I'm going to hang up on you. Okay, right? cool. Thanks, right. Dave. Thanks Thank again. Thank you. Have a good night. All right, bye -bye. You too. Bye. Bye. -bye.